Mark chapter 2 and verse number 18. The Bible says, And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast. And they come and say unto him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old, and the rent is made worse. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred. But new wine must be put into new bottles. Father, I pray this morning in Jesus' name, God, that you'll give us the wisdom, give us the vocabulary. Lord, I pray that you'd guide our tongues this morning. Help us not to say anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit. I ask this morning that the power of God would be manifested. Save the lost this morning. Oh, God, save the lost in this building. I pray that you'll read, Lord, you'll renew the backslidden heart. God, help us to draw nigh unto you that you would draw nigh unto us. God, we need you in this hour, and we'll praise you, and we'll thank you for what you do in this service. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject, on weddings, wardrobes, and wine. Weddings, wardrobes, and wine. You see, Jesus, in this text, there's four different times in Mark chapter number 2 that Jesus receives criticism from his critics. And what's amazing about these four criticisms is that two of the times that they criticize him is that they criticize him for doing what they think he should not be doing. And then the other two times that they criticize him, they criticize him for not doing what they think he should be doing. You know, every one of us faces critics in life. Isn't that right? And David of old in the Bible taught us how to deal with criticism. You remember before he fought Goliath, his own brother came and criticized him. And David basically did three things. He faced the criticism. I think when people criticize you, you have to face it. And then he fixed it. He, I think whenever someone criticizes us, we ought to ask ourselves, is there any smidge of truth in what they're saying? They may have an ulterior motive. They may have a wrong spirit. But if there's anything in what they're criticizing about that possibly is true, then we ought to use even their criticism to help us uh, to be a better Christian and we ought to fix it, amen? And then finally, we ought to forget it, amen? Uh, David faced his criticism, he fixed it, and then he forgot it. He walked off and he faith Goli uh, fought Goliath and can I tell you, you'll never do anything for God, you'll never defeat any giants and you'll never win any battles uh, as long as you waste your time uh, fighting your critics in life, amen? And so Jesus knew that and in this text here, he received all this criticism and this uh, one particular incident as he is being criticized it's not just him that's being criticized but now it is his, his disciples are being criticized and can I tell you if you live for God in this walk of life 2 Timothy 2 and verse number uh, verse number 13 I think it is said yea and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution we are going to face criticism if we live for God amen just because we are a disciple 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus uh, uh, receives this criticism concerning the disciples and it raises the topic that we're preaching on this morning. He gives them basically three illustrations. He, he talks about weddings in verse number 19 and verse number 20 and then he talks about a wardrobe in verse number 21 and then he concludes it in verse 22 by talking about wine, amen? Now, all of this uh, has to do with the criticism uh, that he has received. You know what else that tells me? It means that God can take the bad criticism of others uh, and use it for his glory and for the good of those uh, if we will respond in the right manner. Isn't that right? We're not living an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Can I get an amen right there? Uh, Jesus turned the other cheek and, and we ought to do the same thing as the word of God uh, teaches us but the purpose of what Jesus is, is saying here, the purpose of all three of these illustrations is because the crowd that he is talking to is a religious crowd and this religious crowd uh, uh, listen, they see themselves as very good, they see themselves as right because they've got their rules they've got their regulations and as long as they're living by their rules and living by their regulations, they they feel like they're saved. They feel like they're going to heaven. And Jesus uses these illustrations to try uh, to bridge the gap to get them to see the difference uh, between rules uh, and a relationship. Amen. You see, salvation tonight or this morning is not a bunch of rules. Can I get an amen right there? Salvation is not a list, uh, but salvation is a relationship. And salvation has to do with life. Amen. There are people that live squeaky clean. Uh, and thank God, I believe we ought to live squeaky clean clean, but there's a lot of people that they do all the right things, they say all the right things that are supposed to be said, but the bottom line is there is empty on the inside, there's no reality to their Christianity, there's no salvation in their life, they're doing the things that they're doing, but it's not real to them, amen, and can I tell you this morning, that's the burden of my heart this morning for every individual sitting in this building, if you know you're saved, thank God for it, amen, but if you don't know you're saved, or if you know you're not saved, uh, friend, get past the list, uh, get past the rules, uh, and realize that salvation is not just in a plan, uh, but it's in a person, amen, and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Now, when you think about these this morning, uh, Christ is wanting to bring them to that point. He wants to get them past religion and to redemption. You've heard the old saying, rules without relationship creates rebellion. I also want to say this, uh, uh, my friend, that when you... Uh, the relationship is real, then the rules will come out of love and not off of a list. Isn't that right? Listen, there's a lot of things I don't do because I am saved. Somebody say it, man. Because salvation makes a change. But those things don't make me saved. There's a desire on the inside to not want to do the things that I used to want to do. Amen. You know, you may have never done some of those things. The question is this. Do you want to? I never drank alcohol before I got saved. I wanted to. As a young boy, I wanted to drink alcohol. Now, don't judge me for that. There's some things you wanted to do. I was raised around drunkards, and it looked fun as a lost boy. 
Looked like they were having a good time. I, I couldn't see the end results of that sin. And so as a nine-year-old boy, I remember telling my dad one of these days, when I get old enough, uh, I'm gonna drink alcohol. And I had every intention of doing that. But I wanna tell you something. Something took place when I was 13 years old in my heart and in my life. Uh, hey, when God saved me, uh, I didn't know. Uh, listen, John 3, 16. Uh, but an amazing thing happened after I got saved. I no longer wanted to drink alcohol. I never drank it and I thank God that I never touched it. I thank God that my lips have never swallowed that devil's poison, amen. But I want to say hallelujah more than I thank God for that. I thank God that there was not a want to in my life this morning that God took the want to out of. You say, preacher, could you not go to doing that? Sure, I could. I know the flesh could do that but I don't want to do those things. And when you get saved, God puts a want to in you. You want to live for God, amen. I worry about people that say they're saved but they live like the devil and then they say they're saved and they love the things that God hates and they hate the things that God loves. I'll tell you what I believe according to the King James Bible. I don't believe they're saved. I believe the devil slipped them a counterfeit, don't you? I think they're trusting in something other than genuine salvation. Now look at these three things. Jesus talks about weddings, wardrobes, and wine. Why does he do that? Well, in verse number 19 and verse number 20, when he talks about this wedding here, he, he uses a custom. He says in verse number 19, and Jesus said, unto them, can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. Notice he asks the question in verse number 19, can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? And the answer to that question is given in also in verse number 19, and the answer is no they cannot. And the reason they cannot is because that in those days, whenever a bride and a groom would get married, it was not a quick wedding and, and off to the honeymoon. But what they would do is for several days, uh, uh, sometimes uh, seven to ten or possibly even more days, uh, uh, they would have a great celebration and they would call their family and their friends uh, and their closest friends, uh, uh, perhaps what we would call their best, the best man and the, uh, uh, the maid of honor and all of those uh, uh, that, that are gathered around uh, uh, during that wedding, they were called the children of the bride chamber because they were closest to the bride and to the groom. And so Jesus just asks and answers the question in verse number 19, uh, can they fast uh, uh, while that great celebration is going on? And the answer to that question is no. It wouldn't be appropriate for the, uh, the children of the bride chamber uh, to be fasting while they're supposed to be feasting. Isn't that right? He said in verse number 20, he said, but the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them and then shall they fast in those days. So Jesus not only asks and answers this question, but he affirms it by telling them there's coming a day talking about himself when the bridegroom is going to be taken away and then my disciples will have plenty of time to fast. Uh, you say, well preacher, what is the purpose of Christ using this custom? It is to show the, uh, this religious crowd that salvation is not in a performance. Amen. You remember the parable I preached the other day on, on the Pharisee and he said, 
said, I fast twice a week. Well, these Pharisees did the same thing. They fasted on Monday and Thursday and they thought because of their religious performance that they were good, that they were saved. You know, Brother Brian, there's a lot of people that think because they go to Sunday school, because they pay tithes, because they're a faithful worker in the church, they think because they're doing all of these things, they may be singing the choir or they do all these things of performance, they look across the aisle and say, well, you know, I'm as good as so and so. I'm as good as such and such. Do you know if you're comparing yourself to another person, you can feel pretty good about yourself. But when you compare yourself to God's standard, you know what? As good as we are, we're still not good enough. Isn't that right? And can I tell you this morning, this illustration, this custom, it proves that salvation is not in a performance. Amen. There's a lot of people, they learn the lingo. They learn how to dress. They learn how to talk. They learn how to, they get all churchy, amen? But they don't, they're deep down, they don't have what everybody else has. Uh, uh, listen to me. Uh, they've got, to, uh, they, they, they look like everybody else, uh, at least at church, uh, and they talk like everybody else. Uh, but the problem is uh, uh, they're empty on the inside. They're living their life by rules uh, rather than living their life by relationship, Amen. You know, a lot of people leave an old-fashioned church and a lot of times after they leave, they make fun of the standards of a church. It's not all of that crowd that leaves is lost. Wouldn't you agree with that statement? Some of them's just backslid and they need to get right with God. But I want to tell you, some of the crowd that leaves, uh, uh, listen, they've never slid forward. They've never been saved. Look at me just a moment. Uh, they get out there in this world and they've been waiting just like that maniac of Gadara wanting to break those chains that bound them. They feel bound by being in a church like this uh, uh, where there's so many rules and regulation. You know, if you're saved, I don't feel like I've got a bunch of rules. Uh, I don't feel like i got a bunch of regulations on my life. Uh, when you're saved, you just love God and you enjoy serving God. But when you're not saved, uh, all you see is the these and the thous and the this and the thou shalt not and thou shalt uh, do this and thou shalt not do that. That's all you're focused on because you're dead in sin and you're tired of living and performing that kind of life. But when you get saved, can I tell you what happens? Somebody bigger than you moves on the inside and they start doing the performing for you. Amen. I'm telling you, I'm not keeping myself. Thank God somebody's keeping me. Amen. I'm not trying to live for God. I'm letting something live inside of me. Amen. And going to church is easy and going to church is an enjoyment. You know why? Because I got the liver on the inside and the liver makes the difference, amen. I don't have to say something to try to, uh, to, try to uh, make somebody think well of me. You know, can't you tell when people are buttering you up? Can I get an amen on that? I'm talking about like a butterball turkey, friend. I mean, it's all slimy, isn't it? When they're just trying to say things, you know, uh, they'll come up and say, now nobody says this, and, but they'll come up and say, you're the greatest preacher in the whole wide world. I mean, listen, you just put about a gallon of butter on me when you said that. Because I know better than that. Ain't none of us great this morning. Isn't that right? God is great. 
I'm gonna tell you today, but there's a lot of people, they like to perform. They like to tell people what they wanna hear. And some people, they'll even do some things. You know how to know when someone becomes a Pharisee when they're lost, amen? And they start getting standards in their life. You know what, they, that those things make them feel good. They, they start feeling like they've arrived. They start feeling like they're spiritual. If you're saved, you know what? It doesn't matter how much you pray and read and try to live right. You ne- I never feel spiritual, do you? You know how I feel 99.99? Well, let's just be honest, 100% of the time. I feel like Paul, oh, the wretched man that I am. I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to when Jesus comes and I get a new body, thank God. And I don't have to live in a sinful body, never have another sinful thought, never have another wrong motive, never have another wrong deed. I tell you, I repented the day I got saved and I've been repenting ever since I've been saved. And how I know I'm saved is because saved people repent, amen? And lost people don't ever repent over everything, anything. If you're here tonight or this morning and you say, well, I don't need to come to that altar, I don't need to repent, friend, you better check up, amen? because when you get born again, you don't see how good you are. You really see how bad you are, amen? And can I tell you, for 32 years of my life, I've got a close-up look at how wicked and how wretched and how ungodly I am. And as much as I ever do for God, if any good ever comes out of it, it'll all because of him and not because of me, amen? Underneath a suit and a tie, he was just an old sinner saved by the good grace of God, amen. And what she sung about this morning, if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus Christ, I'd be in a Christless eternity, burning in the flames of the damned, a lost ball in high weeds without God. But I'm so glad one day, I thank God before religion got a hold of me, I got a good old fashioned dose of Holy Ghost, heaven sent, heartfelt salvation, and it's real. It's real. I know it's real. It's real in my soul. Thank God. It's real. Hallelujah. Woo! I'm not performing this morning. We got too many performers in church. Singers and preachers are the worst. Man, it aggravates me when I get in church and they want to, you know, they want to caress the microphone when they sing. You know what I'm talking about? And they want to pump it, and they want to. I, I, I listen. I was listening to an old song the other day, and I, my wife and me was sitting there in the living room, and I and, and I, I, t- I typed up a song that I wanted to hear, and it come up a, a quartet that uh, years ago I listened to them, and man, they were great. But all of them are dead now, and I reckon it's their children, or their grandchildren, or it's a bunch of lost heathens, is what it is. I typed it in, brother Danny. You never seen such a sickening mess. And they had, they were, I mean, they, they, one of them was dancing. And I said, I told Noli, I said, come look at these fools. Because that's what they were. And they're doing that fake smiling at each other and laughing. You know, I'll tell you something. When it comes to singing and preaching, it's not performance to me, it's worship, it's serious business. 
I didn't get up here to perform this morning. I didn't get up here for a paycheck. I didn't get up here for a pat on the back. I'm not being a smart addict. Please understand what I'm saying. Uh, their souls weighed in the balance. Uh, there's a burden on my heart this morning. Uh, I believe we're standing between heaven and hell uh, and in the crosshairs this morning. Uh, and I'm doing the best way that I know how uh, to wave the flag and say, don't go to hell. Don't go to hell. Junk your pride. Uh, uh, get in while you still can. Amen. Isn't that right? I want to tell you this morning, salvation, he uses a custom to prove that it's not a performance. Secondly, notice he uses a cloth in verse number 21 to teach us that salvation is not a patch. Amen. No man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment, else the new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old, and the rent is made worse. The truth about this cloth is this, is that you can't put a new piece of cloth on an old piece of cloth. And the trouble is, is that it will take away from the old, he said, and the tragedy is, is that the rent is made worse. Now, what is Jesus saying? Well, here the word new in verse number 21 simply means unmilled or addressed. It means that it's been unshrunk. So when you take a new cloth that's never been shrunk and you put it on an old garment with a whole in it and you tie it together or you sew it together and that cloth has never been shrunk. You know what's going to happen? It's going to shrink and because that the old cloth is not strong enough, it's going to tear from it and the tear's going to be worse. In other words, that hole's just going to get bigger. Well, what the Pharisees wanted to do, they wanted to take the Old Testament economy, their rules and their regulation and my friend, the, the law and they liked some of the things that Jesus was preaching but not all and they wanted to just kind of mix it together. Boy, doesn't that sound familiar today? They want to take a little bit of the gospel that they like and they want to take the Old Testament law and they just wanted to blend it all in and say, boy, that'll just make things better. But you know what Christ is teaching here? The old economy is coming to an end and thank God Jesus is about to usher in a new and a living way by the blood of Jesus. He's about to take away, he's about to fulfill the law and give man a new salvation, my friend, that's in the Lord Jesus Christ and he's saying this, that salvation is not a patch, amen. amen. In other words, you can't take what you are and what you have and put a little bit of gospel with it and say you're saved. There's some this morning that said, well, I don't wanna go to the altar and bow my head. I don't wanna go down there in front of everybody. And they'll say things like this, well, you know, you don't have to be at the altar to get saved, and I believe that. Some sitting here this morning probably got saved at home. Some this morning may have got saved somewhere else on the job. I knew a man that got saved on the job. And I believe you can get saved anytime you're under conviction and you turn to Christ. But can I tell you something? When you make this an issue, when you say to God, I don't want to go down there, when you say in your heart, I don't want to come down there, I believe this, that's the only place you're going to get saved. Is that right? You say, well, I'll get saved at the house. Or I'll get saved somewhere else. I don't have to come. You just made an issue with God. You can't add things to, well, I'll just be a good person. I'll just believe in Christ and, and I'll, just, I'll just trust Christ my own way. No, you can't do that. You've got to listen to the Holy Spirit. If he bids you, if he draws you, if he, if he tells you to come, you've got to come this morning. Well, I'll get saved some other time. No, listen, you get saved when the Holy Ghost deals with your heart. What I'm saying this morning is, uh, is that salvation is not a patch. Uh, you can't just patch your life up uh, by going to church. And some people think that, well, I'll just get in church uh, and I'll 
just start doing right. It's not a patch, friend. It's a person. You can't put it over your old life. You can't put it over the old things. I want to tell you, salvation is not a patch this morning. There are no doubt some sitting here today that you would say to yourself, well, preacher, I want to go to heaven, but I want to go my way. I want to tell you this morning, friend, if you get in, you get in God's way or you don't get in at all. You know, this morning, there's not a doubt in my mind the Holy Ghost is drawing. I see that Jesus uses, he uses this illustration here. He uses a custom. He uses a cloth. And then finally, I want you to look at verse number 22. He uses a container. Look what he said in verse 22. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles. Else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred. But new wine must be put in new bottles. What Jesus says in this verse is that salvation is not a progression. It's not a performance. It's not a custom. It's not a patch. It's not a cloth. And it's not a progression. It's not a bottle. I want you to see what I mean here. He tells us, it talks about these bottles. They didn't have glass bottles in those days. You know that. They had bottles made out of wineskins. And those old bottles, as the as them wineskins would get older, they would get more harder, more brittle. And he's telling us here that it's not sensible. Look what he said in verse 22. And no man, no man, this doesn't make sense to take new wine and put it into old bottle. It's not sensible. It's not even suitable. He said, no man put new wine into old bottles. Why? He said, else the new wine doth burst the bottles and the wine is spilled. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus saying if you take unfermented wine and you put it in an old uh, wine skin of a bottle that is, that, is, that is stretched and it's brittle and it's hard and you put that new wine in there and when that unfermented wine becomes fermented wine and it begins to move and it begins to stretch, guess what? That bottle's not gonna stretch, amen? You know what that bottle's gonna do? It's gonna burst, amen? And so Jesus is trying to get this crowd to see Salvation's not a progression. Pro- progression. You don't progress into being saved. Amen. You don't just uh, keep on doing better until you're born again. You somebody said, "Well, I've just been a Christian all my life." There's no such thing as that. You got to be born again. Amen. You've been a sinner all your life, but you've not been a Christian all your life. And so Jesus is saying this. Uh, look what he says. He said it's not salvation because he said the wine is spilled and the bottle will be marred. But now watch this. But new wine must be put into new bottles. You know what the new wine is? It's the Holy Spirit. And you know what the new bottle is? It's a new creation, a new spirit in Christ. Now here's what Jesus is teaching them. I didn't come to make, to take the old and make it new. I'm not progressing. He said, I come to give man a new nature. You know what we have today? If you're saved, you have two natures. You have an old nature. That's never been changed. If Jesus was to put the Holy Spirit in that old nature, it couldn't handle it. It burst. But Jesus didn't come to take the old and make it new. He came to make us a new creation in Christ Jesus. If you're saved this morning, you got that old nature, but I want to tell you something, hallelujah, thank God, you got a new nature. Amen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, you know what he is? He's a new creature. 
I'm telling you, listen, he didn't take the old and make it new. I'll tell you the day that I got saved and the day that you got saved, I went down an old, dirty, rotten sinner. Had an old sin nature. I still got that old nature. I can do anything after I got saved as far as sinning goes uh, uh, that I could have done before I got saved. You know why? I still got that old nature and it gives me trouble. But hallelujah, I'm glad I'm not by myself. He put a new nature in me. I went down a sinner, but I came up a saint. Amen. I went down on my way to hell, but I came up on my way to heaven. And thank God, even though I battle the old nature, hey, somebody living on the inside, there's been some new wine, put in a new bottle. I'm not the man I used to be. Listen, I may look the same, but I'm not the same. Hallelujah. There's a new man on the inside. And hallelujah for the day that Christ will make you new again. Amen. You know what I see in people that are religious but lost? They still have the old nature. There's nothing new. You know when people get saved, salvation puts happiness. But it's a more biblical term than happiness. It's joy. I see a lot of people, I fear. I fear this this morning. With a King James Bible in my hand, hear me this morning. I fear this more than anything. I fear that there will be people that I will see at the judgment seat, of, at the great white throne judgment. I fear there's going to be people that I'm going to see at the great white throne judgment of God that I pastored that never got saved. Good members. Didn't give me no trouble. Faithful to church. They never got saved. Now I'm going to tell you something. I shy away from this. Probably to a fault. I grew up not in the church, but I grew up around a time when, when, and I don't think it was intentionally wrong, but when preachers put a lot of pressure on, do you know you're saved? What if you're not saved? Well, what if you think you're saved and you're not saved? And I saw the confusion that brings to people. So years ago, I just decided I'm just going to preach the gospel, give the invitation, and the Holy Spirit will do the work. And I still believe that. But having said that, an element of what they were saying and doing is true. There are people sitting amongst us. They're not saved. So how do you know that, preacher? I know it on the Word of God. There's always going to be tares among the wheat. I want to tell you this morning, with all of my heart, I don't want to see one person that's a member of Bible Baptist Church go to hell. I don't want to see a visitor go to hell. My burden this morning is get past your religion. Is it real to you this morning? You want to know why some people, as soon as they get old enough, they, they hit the road and they go their way and do their own thing. <laughs> they ain't been saved. Vast majority are not saved. Well, I'm telling you, they, they'll do everything they're supposed to until they get old enough. And when they get old, and then there are some that will continue in it because they don't want to disappoint their family, their friends, their pastor. I want you to look past all that this morning. Why do you do what you do? Is God real to you this morning? Is salvation more than just a profession? I'm going to tell you something this morning. Nothing wrong with remembering about the day you got saved. 
And I think you ought to. Somebody say amen right there. But I don't have to go back 32 years ago to see if I'm saved. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. I can look at my life today. He's so real to me today. Is he real to you today? I'm gonna tell you, he talked to me this morning. I heard his voice. I heard it this morning. You said, well, what did it sound like? I'll tell you what it sounded like. I've heard it so many times, I know that voice. You said, well, how do you know? Was it audible? More stronger than that. It was a still, small voice. When I hear that little, small, still, small voice, I was sitting there drinking a cup of coffee, and I was listening to the radio, and the Holy Spirit said, I want you to come talk to me this morning. I want, I want you to come talk to me this morning. I heard that little voice. Do you hear that voice? I remember one day when that voice spoke to me for the first time. I said, boy, you're going to hell. And you can't save yourself. Still small voice. I heard it. I remember a few years after that, he came to me one day on a Sunday night, the second row, that still small voice, no great experience, no great, what no tremendous service, but a still small voice came to the pew where I was and said, I want you to preach my word. I want you to preach. Do you hear that voice this morning? It's never wrong. It's never wrong. I wonder this morning, what's it saying to you? If you're lost, it'll tell you that. God don't play games, Brother Daniel. He don't come to you and try, that small voice, that still small voice don't come to you and, and try to confuse you. That's not him. That still small voice will sneak up right in your heart. He'll say, hey, the preacher's preaching to you. You're the one that's lost. You need to be saved. I wonder this morning as we stand, our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Christians are praying. I want to fix somebody here this morning. You know you're lost. Holy Spirit has spoke to your heart. And you need to come this morning and get saved. Would you come this morning? Would you come? Don't you go to hell this morning. Don't you put it off. If he's whispering to you, if he's talking to you, that's all you need this morning. That's all you need is to hear his voice say, come on. Come on this morning. I want you to be saved. Come on right now. Step out of your seat and come on. I'll save you if you'll come. That's what he'll say to you. You know that's you. You know you're lost. You know you'll go to hell if you don't get saved. I died for you. I love you. I want to save you. Come on. That's what he'll say. Come on. Don't put it off. Don't wait too late. The bride's going to sing. If you're lost, you come this morning while he's singing.